0: Uh, Today, we um, will have the privilege to hear from two of our um, Ecuador team members um, who uh, went and and came back on the trip in July and August. We're going to hear first from uh, Kenny Cook. He's finishing his last year at the University of Central Florida. He's going to share what God's done in him. And then Sarah Kim is a a kindergarten teacher, right? Kindergarten teacher um, here in Orlando. So Kenny's going to come first, and then Sarah's going to share. Yes, welcome them. Applause. Yeah, yeah, that's
1: good. Good morning. All right, I hope uh, this testimony is a encouragement and blessing to you all. One of the self proclaimed quote unquote conquerors of the unknown and the founder of Patagonia, Yvonne Shenard, says, When everything goes wrong, that's when adventure starts. This quote has always stuck with me ever since I heard it, probably because of how closely I can relate with it. Truly, the most uh, unplanned and uncertain moments in life are the ones that seem to be the most memorable, the most full of emotions, and the most real. My pastor, David Larry Kim, also known globally as Godfather or Pedrino, modified Yvonne's quote. When the unexpected happens, that's when adventure starts. Perhaps I'm being a bit biased here, but I like DL's version better. While it acknowledges the twists and surprises at hand, it points to something far beyond our immediate and inconsistent plans. There must be a grander scheme we simply can't see, one where nothing can truly be wrong, but rather only unexpected. With that quote in mind, I would say this trip was certainly full of God-led adventures. For time's sake, I will highlight two moments of adventure that significantly stuck with me. Adventure one. On this day, our team would split up into groups to do respective ministries and meet up later for an evening service. However, before splitting up, we went to see the first physical piece of the Joshua Project. Less than a half of mile, a mile, mile's walk into the jungle, the new marvelous home for 50 goats was being made. As we made the enjoyable walk in the rain over fallen tree trunks through muddy paths and across a small stream, we found ourselves at the site for the goat pen. While we stood and had a brief moment together, I felt like I could feel Tico's pleasure at the sight of us there. I pictured his contagious smile, heard his infectious laugh, and felt in my heart a very warm sense of excitement. It was an absolutely beautiful moment. Afterwards, our team split into our respective groups, and I found myself standing outside the bus with Alex and Daniel. Standing together in the rain, we watched the bus, holding the rest of our beloved team, drive off in the rain, hazed distance. Our trio stayed behind to move the lumber for the goat pen being built. When I was told this, I was excited to do some manual labor. How bad could moving some wood be? Then came the stack of lumber for us to move. The stack was bigger than I thought it would be, the lumber heavier than I thought it would be, and the rain falling harder than it was before. Very unexpected. The next couple hours were probably the most challenging moments of the trip for me. The mud got deeper and softer with each passing second, the lumber heavier as they continually absorbed the rain, and the stack of lumber never seemed to get smaller. However, regardless of the circumstances at hand, Mr. Kim, Tico's father, worked with such a burning passion that was far beyond his small-framed and aged body. He tirelessly worked fueled by his raw passion for his son's story and God's glory in this ministry. It was such an encouraging and beautiful thing to have seen. Then, praise the Lord, arrived the reinforcements, James, Yasung, and Isaac. I don't know what had happened in their hearts when they were at the riverside where we lost Tico, but these guys came with that same passion and intensity Mr. Kim had. I literally... I'm going to emphasize literally again. I literally could not tell if James was a John Deere tractor or a person. He was hauling the heaviest cuts of lumber while sporting a smile like that of a little boy who just got his favorite lollipop for free. As I saw this and worked alongside my teammates, I couldn't help but to think about my friend Tico. I thought about how he too would have been working his tail off while sporting a smile. He probably would have been joking about the guinea pigs we were about to eat. He probably would have fallen in the mud and laughed as we helped him out. He probably would have joked about how the cuts of lumber were close to three times his weight. He probably would have sung songs of worship as we trotted through the rain-soaked mud. As I thought about this, I realized that he was, in fact, doing that. He was doing all of that through each and every one of us working there, our smiles, our determination, our songs, our encouragement, and our laughter. Perhaps they were all, indeed, products of our priceless memories of Tico in our hearts. In that rain-soaked moment, I was once again reminded that my friend's story was not dead. Tico's story is more alive than ever through God's continual redemptive work in us and the Ecuadorians. God was with us. God has a bigger plan. God is sovereign. Adventure 2. In Quito, we had the opportunity to do some ministry at a nursing home. As we made our way into the area where the residents were waiting for us, I remember one resident reluctantly being rolled in his wheelchair to join us. As he was positioned right next to me, I gave him the international hello smile due to my poor recollection of Spanish. He returned my smile with a stoic blank stare. Luckily, I was a part of the group that would sing, and so I gladly scurried over to join the others in song. As our presentations came to an end, DL whispered me over and asked me to lead the residents in the Sinner's Prayer. After I led arguably the most confusing Sinner's Prayer ever, I went off to the side and got lost in my thoughts about the meaning of this prayer. I abruptly came back to reality as I saw everyone walking around and moving. The next thing I know, one of the nurses signaled me over to come into a room with the man I had smiled at. Confused, I entered the room, the silent room and found myself holding the cold hand of Roberto, the man in the wheelchair. I used my one or two best funny Spanish phrases and found the eerie and silent response of the room to be extremely inviting. To my absolute delight, I saw D.L. outside the door and quickly went to ask him what in the world was going on. He possibly out of pity, I'm pity, joined me in the room. (laughs) As one of the nurses began to talk to us, one of the translators also came in. (laughs) She began to tell us of Roberto's story of depression and abandonment. For as long as the nurse could remember, Roberto had not smiled or laughed for years. His only brother, who lives in the same city, had essentially abandoned Roberto at this home. Roberto sat dully on his wheelchair because he was paralyzed from, what I recall, the waist down he had no joy no purpose and no hope in his life it seemed like the only consistent thing Roberto had was his wheelchair I stood there trying to understand Roberto's pains trying to imagine the bitterness and sorrow that would envelop my heart trying to imagine the deep emptiness from the lack of any ounce of joy trying to imagine the immobilizing terror of losing function in my legs trying to picture what it would be like to never smile and laugh and relating to the hopeless feelings of empty nothingness I can normally think pretty fast on my feet. However, in this moment, I did not know what the right thing was to say. I felt like the only thing I could offer was a reassuring hand on the shoulder and prayer. Fortunately, we were in the presence of DL, a.k.a. the Godfather, a.k.a. the Padrino. DL began to speak powerfully powerfully the wonderful truth of the saving gospel into Roberto's life. I honestly have never seen anything quite like what I saw as DL spoke into Roberto's life. Roberto's entire demeanor began to drastically change as he accepted and believed in the truth of love unconditional, salvation eternal, hope unwavering, purpose sovereign, and grace unbounded. Roberto began to weep, smile, laugh, and feel. As if this was his first time ever feeling, his face lit up with amazement as all these emotions erupted in his heart. While the nurse watched in absolute wonder, she told us that Roberto tried to commit suicide twice during his time in the nursing home. That same Roberto then went on to say that he knew God had brought us all the way from Orlando to Quito, across the hemisphere, and into that very room to share the saving gospel to him. It was an absolutely beautiful and joyous moment. I didn't expect to lead anyone in the sinner's prayer. I didn't expect to end up in a room with someone I didn't know. I didn't expect to witness a salvation so beautifully drastic. And I didn't expect to feel all that I felt. I left that room utterly speechless. I think God chuckled in that moment. He wanted to remind me of what it means to move mountains. He wanted to remind me of how truly intricate and beyond sophisticated his sovereignty is. He wanted me to see how in a matter of a few truth-driven words, he could change a death of despair in a person into a mountain of joy. He wanted me to believe his grace is truly more than enough. And he wanted me to taste and witness the indescribable joy of one's salvation. God was with us. God has a bigger plan. God is sovereign. As I've returned, God has spoken into my heart many things he desires for me to radically submit to. I know he's calling me to become a man of consistency, a man of integrity, a man of godly wisdom, and a man of purity. I ask that you pray for me as I submit to his work in me and keep me accountable in this continual process of becoming more like him. There's a thrilling adventure full of joy, redemption, unexpected twists, and God's faithfulness that he longs for all of us here to wholeheartedly join. While submitting ourselves entirely to such will leave us without many practical certainties, it's the unexpected that leads to adventure, right? As our wonderful leader D.L. put it earlier this week, God is taking us on a journey. I don't know how to explain it. I'm just thankful to be in the car. I'm fastening my seatbelt because the ride will be wild. And if he's driving, I don't want to get out of this car. And so I encourage you, my family here at Harvest, to hop into the car of adventure that God is driving and to fasten your seatbelts, because it's bound to be a wildly awesome ride. Thank you.
0: Turned it off. <laughs> my name is Sarah Kim, and this is my testimony. Okay. Um, five years ago, God uh, refined me through a series of self-realizations. Basically, he was addressing my character flaws. To be honest, um, it wasn't the easiest of times, seeking to change things that, I, that have been part of me for over 30 years. However, praise God that with tons of his grace, I was able to go through the fire and come out on the other side a little bit better than I was before. There is a Matt Redman song that says, I can see a light that is coming for a heart that holds on. I held on to that truth, believing that God had a plan for me, so I was able to persevere through that time. The end result, through the refining process, one very conscious and deliberate prayer asking, okay, God, use me, and one powerful sermon that changed the course of my life, I was able to step out of the boat of my comfort zone and take up the um, challenge God placed before me. And a year later, I left um, to spend a year in Jordan. Several months ago, I found myself in a uh, familiar place. It was almost like deja vu, and I found myself saying, oh, no, not again. This time, it wasn't the character flaws um, God wanted me to address, but the long list of things, dreams, and desires, and people I needed to surrender and let go. Believe me, I tried my best to ignore the many tuggings from God. Um, Pastor D.L. preached sermons about it, but I found myself saying, yep, I know, I know you're talking to me, but nope, I do not want to listen. So I got so desperate to block out God's voice that I emerged myself into Korean dramas. Day and night, every free moment I had was dedicated to watching these dramas. Now Korean dramas have been added to the list of things I need to let go of. So in the midst of all this defiance, Ecuador sign-up came up. And because I could not think of a good reason not to go to Ecuador, um, I went to the orientation while still trying to come up with an excuse and reason why I couldn't go. I couldn't come up with one, the plane ticket was purchased, and it was too late for me to back out. However, during this time, I had a moment of peace and calm, and I found myself praying with a clear head once again, God, use me. My only expectation for this trip was being super excited to visit the equator. My plan was simple. I was going to give my all to the task that was given to me, serve with a joyful heart, mingle with the locals, try my best to love them, encourage my teammates, and and try not to complain too much. And overall, I was able to do most of that, except when I found out the trip to the equator was canceled. Then the floodgates of complaining was opened up, and my teammates had to endure it for several days. But, God had, but God's plan was bigger. Equator is a beautiful country. While enjoying the beautiful people and places, I was left with a lot of quiet time to think, the kind of quiet time that I was avoiding for so many months. Here at home, I had many outlets to distract myself. In Equator, there was no escape. God's voice was louder than ever, and every day it got louder, especially during the devotional times of God. It was so loud, I couldn't drown it out, and for the first time in a long time, I forced myself to listen. I felt my heart breaking as I looked at the long list of dreams, desires, and things, and people God was asking me to surrender to him. As I said each thing out loud to myself, I wanted to cry. I was, uh, sorry, (laughs) I was embarrassed that I could not, I was not able to surrender them instantly. It was so much harder than I had ever imagined. And why was this happening to me again? So I left Ecuador. And so as I left Ecuador, I had this heavy sense of unresolved struggle with God. I had no idea what my life was going to be like coming back home. Would God stop nagging me? Am I going to have to face things on head on? Um, I came back with more questions than I had going on this trip. Well, one of the questions was answered as we landed in Orlando. While waiting for our luggage, the question of why is this happening to me again was being answered by Pastor Enki. Now, Kenny would probably do a better interpretation of this, but here it goes. (laughs) Okay, Hey, Sarah, how was your trip? (laughs) It was good sarah i want you to go to china um okay when september next month oh yes (laughs) um oh no i'm pretty busy next month sorry just curious though how long do you want me to go a week no you stay there (laughs) i found myself quickly walking away from that conversation After that brief conversation, I found myself asking, is this what God had planned for me? Is this why I needed to go through this refining process again? The last few weeks, um, my time has been occupied with thoughts of going back to missions again, and with the thought of all the things I would have to let go of before I leave. And China is not my first place. I wanted to go back to the Middle East. And what about all the things I have to settle here, my job, my house? And if and when I come back, I would have to start from scratch, find another job, buy a car, and all those things. And these were the hardest things for me when I came back from Jordan. Again, tears fell, first because I had looked at the list of things to surrender, and second at the embarrassment of not being able to do so immediately and gladly. I was reminded of Peter, Andrew, James, and John, and how they immediately followed Jesus when he called them. I admired them for doing it and always thought I would do the same when my chance came but I kicked and screamed but now God is starting to calm my heart I had another conversation with Pastor Enki about China more specific more specific things for the first time in my life I see a vision of how I want to finish my life I do not want to waste whatever time I have left God showed me a glimpse of my glimpse of the next chapter of my life a chapter that didn't include retiring here as a teacher at the age of 65 and enjoying whatever pension I might receive monthly. It is to retire here and then go overseas. I had a feeling my retirement of teaching will come sooner than I had originally planned, much sooner. And then finally came the sermon, the one, that one powerful sermon that would change the course of my life to seal the deal to confirm everything, Last week's sermon could not be ignored. It was so clear to me, I must go. I'm not sure when and where it will be. It might be next year or it might be in two years. I believe God will let me know and when that will be. In the meantime, I believe God will be with me as I mourn the things I must let go and will heal heal my heart. And in the end, I am certain I will look back at this time and see God's hand in all this and see that his dreams and plans for me are definitely better than the ones I am letting go of. So here I am again, the product of another refining process, another conscious and delivered prayer asking God to use me, and another powerful sermon. John Newton says, God often takes a course of accomplishing his purpose directly contrary to what our narrow views and uh, what our narrow views would prescribe. He brings death upon our feelings, wishes, and prospects when he's about to give us the desire of our hearts. Though it is hard, this is exactly what God is doing in me now. Thank you.